Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. We're your co-hosts. And today we're so excited to welcome Mayavel Amado Pineda to the studio as our guest. Maya, welcome. Thank you for having me here. It's an honor to be here. As a brief introduction to our guest, Maya was born in Guatemala and spent her growing up years in Guatemala, Mexico, and Argentina. She served a full-time mission in the Spain-Madrid mission and earned a bachelor's degree in political science and her master's degrees in both French studies and instructional psychology and technology from Brigham Young University and used her degrees and worked for the church for a couple years. She currently serves as a member of the Relief Society General Advisory Council, and we're especially excited today to talk to her about about her personal experiences and also the experiences she's had while serving on the Relief Society General Advisory Council about ministering. It's such an important mm-hmm. topic and kind of a fun topic, but then also one that sisters just have a lot of questions about because it still feels a little bit new, but it's just really important. So we're excited to. I to think talk it feels scary for, for some of the women in the church, actually. Right. Definitely. Yeah, so, there's a lot of emotions around ministering. Mm-hmm. So this will be a great conversation. Yes. yes. Thank you again for being here, Maya. We want to jump in by talking about some personal experiences you've had. There was a time when you transitioned from a singles ward to family ward. And since you were still single, it really made you question. You said you thought, why am I here? Why even go to church? Mm -hmm. And we know that many listeners um, may be in a similar circumstance or a totally different circumstance, but are still finding themselves asking that question. Why am I here and do I belong? So how did you receive answers to the questions you were asking those questions about why I'm here and why I go to church. It was an interesting experience and a good learning experience and something that I wasn't expecting for me to go through. You know, I was a student at BYU for a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I I was used to having roommates. And whenever I changed wards, I went with my roommates. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, sometimes I had family members close by. And so I went with them. But with that, that time came to transition to the family ward. Well, I was actually living by myself. And so I didn't have like a family member or a roommate to go with me. And so it felt a little awkward when I went to church. And I remember I sat by myself. There were other people around me, but I didn't feel like there were so many people around me. You know, I started to feel like, poor me, I'm so lonely. And I'm not sure what I'm doing here. And why am I here? And then as as soon as I asked the question, I just felt like this strong impression or clear idea in my mind, like, yeah, why are you here? And then I was like, yes, I'm here because of my covenants, because I'm here to worship. I'm here to renew my covenants with the Lord, and I'm here to serve. And so right after sacrament meeting ended, I just walked all the way through the aisle Mm -hmm. and introduced myself to the bishopric. And I said, you know, I'm Maya Belamado. I'm just new to the ward. Uh, This is my first Sunday here, but I'm here to serve. And it's really nice to meet you. And then I did a similar thing with Real Society Presidency. When I went to Real Society, I looked for the presidency members. And right after the meeting, you know, because it's obvious after the meeting ends who is, you know, still lingering. Who are the leaders? Yeah. You know, I just reached out and I said, I'm here and I'm here to serve. And they said, oh, yeah, welcome. Welcome to the ward. And they took my name and everything that they needed so that the records could be transferred mm-hmm. uh, to the ward. And I also started to greet some people after, you know, like the next Sunday, I, I looked for someone who might felt alone 
And I started to sit by people at church and I started to meet a lot of people and I had really good relationships. So you took a uh, really proactive approach. Very proactive approach. And it's not... Is that natural for you? No, not at all. (laughs) I'm kind of timid, actually, and not outgoing. I'm very much an introvert. But I think the key to me was just to remember about my covenants. And when I remember about my covenants, then I just have this urge or maybe this power to reach out. It turns us outward. Exactly. And so to focus on other people and be proactive instead of just sitting there passively. I mean, I could have gone to church and just sit there. I mean, you're active by attending church, but you can be very passive too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there's a big difference when you, again, center on your covenants and focus outwards and focus inwards in the sense that you're focusing on your relationship with God but you focus outwards because that's part of loving my neighbor as myself, right? Right. And reaching out to other people. And that really changed my approach. And ever since then, when I moved to a different ward, the very first thing that I do is try to find leaders of that ward and to introduce myself and say, I need my records to be changed to this ward. So a question I have for you, I think that, first of all, that takes so much courage and can be really uncomfortable, like you said. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I think some people, it's really natural to go up and introduce yourself and say hi to people. And for others, it's like, that is the most horrible thing. Like, right. I don't want to do it's that. the scariest thing. thing in the world. Yeah. So one thought I've had is there are people who go out of their way to introduce themselves and let mm-hmm. leaders know, I want to be a part of this ward, whether it's a single sister or whether it's a sister that's a part of a family. But I do think sometimes it can take time to get a calling. It takes some time to have people put their arms around you and welcome you in. What counsel would you have for people who feel like I've done that and I still don't feel like I belong here? The key for me is to remember that we don't need a calling to be able to serve or to reach out to others. And sometimes we have ministering assignments given to us sooner than another calling, per se. But when we take a look at, again, our covenants, you know, Mosiah 18, we don't need a calling. We don't need a specific assignment even. So, like I said, just try to look around you and see who might need help, try to get to know people in the ward. As a single adult, specifically in that ward, I was really blessed because I got to know a lot of people, single women, married women, other singles who were in a similar situation than I was. Friendships start to form and it takes time and it takes a, it's a process. I really love that you're talking about this balance of being proactive and also being patient. And it doesn't have to be anything huge. You know, if you just start small, if that's something that Mm -hmm. is scary to you, you know, introducing yourself to a few people or sitting by someone new can be a big deal, but it can really go a long way. I also think it's such a great exercise. You mentioned when you started asking all those questions, it just came right back to you like, Mm -hmm. well, why are you here? Mm -hmm. And you had to answer those questions for yourself. And I feel like that's probably a good exercise for other people to practice too when they're thinking, I don't belong here. Do I even want to be here? Mm -hmm. This is something new and something I didn't anticipate. And I just think it's so neat that you found that strength and courage from your covenants. And that's what propelled you to be so proactive. I think that's amazing. (laughs) Thanks. Like I said, I'm not like this outgoing person. I really like maybe because I'm single too. I'm used to having my own space. I'm comfortable with myself. But yeah, I think that the spirit really helps us out when we act upon it. When Mm -hmm. we realize, again, why we're here and we realize that There's other people that have similar questions, perhaps, and maybe they're not feeling that spirit yet. 
or have not received those answers yet from the Holy Ghost. There are other people who have other different needs that might need some reaching out. Again, when I focus outwards versus inwards, then my shyness and my timidity, well, I can put them on the side a little bit so that I can go and help other people. Going the one-on-one, ministering to the one. And so again, it's not like I look up for the whole war necessarily, but Mm -hmm. I start to look around and start to observe like Sister Burton taught us in that general conference talk that I love. First observe, then serve. So I start looking around in Relief Society room or in sacrament meeting and see, okay, who might need help today? Who I can sit with today? And sometimes really it's not like every Sunday that I did that, but just often just being aware. It's wonderful because once you start doing that, you start to get to know people as well. And they start getting to know you as well. We're not an island, and I think we need each other, and we need each other's support. And small and simple things can truly make a big difference in feeling that support and feeling that belonging. Definitely. You did mention ministering, because I love what you said. We don't have to get to know everybody all at once, but with ministering, we're brought together with maybe companions that have different personalities Mm -hmm. than us. We're asked to minister Mm -hmm. to people that are in different circumstances than us, and It can be intimidating for some people, especially people who feel more introverted. But then it's also such a great opportunity to start making these connections. And we would just love to know from your personal experiences, as well as your perspective as a member of the Relief Society General Council, just about ministering. And I just love this too. Our opportunities to minister aren't prescriptive. So we're not told you have to do this. Mm -hmm. This is what you teach. And sometimes that makes it a little bit more overwhelming when we don't have a lot of direction on how to serve. But Maya, will you just share with our listeners why it's important that the calling to minister is so open-ended? There's a lot into that question. I'll start by saying this. The principles of ministering have not changed. I think they're always been the same. I think it's always been about looking out for the one and tailoring the teaching to that person. When I was in Relief Society, like the first time when I transitioned to Relief Society, I remember that I had a sister who was, to me at that time, right, old, older sister, right? She was probably in her 40s, which is not really that old. <laughs> not now, anyways. But at the time, you know, for an 18-year-old, it was like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm with an older sister. It's not my mom, you know, and it's, it's no one that I know. But she was so nice. She was really, really nice. And every time we went ministering, before we went on our ministering assignment, We would get together, read the message at that time, Mm -hmm. and say a prayer to be able to really feel the Spirit and to minister to that sister. This is what I was taught, you know, at home, but also with my companion, who was really a great companion. When we went to minister or visiting teaching at that time, I remember clearly that there were a few times where we did not read the whole message from the Lejona. Or sometimes we shared just a scripture that was a completely different message. And it felt that that was appropriate for that person at that time because that tailored to her needs. So when the change came to me, it wasn't a big deal necessarily that because I felt like the principles were always the same. Mm-hmm. And I love the opportunity that it gives us to really interact with sisters in so many in different ways. The church is so inspired. The, the prophet, our leaders are so inspired. If you think about all that has changed, before COVID. And then we got COVID. 
to me, that was just a blessing because I was from home, but from home, again, I could start thinking about the one, praying like, who can I bless today? Who can I reach out? Praying for opportunities. And it didn't take a long time because I didn't have to drive or walk to someone's home. Mm -hmm. I can just text. And I felt like I could reach to several sisters in the ward, just Mm -hmm. saying, hey, how are you? Just thinking about you. That was such a blessing for me. And I think it's a blessing also when someone else was uh, all of a sudden, hey, Maya, just thinking about you today. I was like, oh, great. Thank you. So that's one blessing that I've seen so open-ended. The other aspect of it is it really gives us the opportunity to tailor to someone's needs. Again, I go back to Sister Burton's first observe and then serve. Try to get to know the person. You don't have an agenda when you go and, okay, well, I have to give this message, so I'm just going to read it and whatever. But to actually try to get to know the person and have that discernment of what the sister might need at that time. And so sometimes I do prepare scriptures with, in advance for my assignments, but sometimes I just, as I go throughout my day and think about the upcoming visit, I just pray that the Holy Ghost will help me. And as we are conversing and just talking as friends, it would naturally flow into a gospel topic. And then naturally, I would just feel prompted to share a scripture about what we're talking about. And the the marvelous thing about being so open-ended, we're able to really connect better with that sister that we're ministering and also to let ourselves be guided by the Holy Ghost into what we all need at that moment. I appreciate this so much because I think I'm a pretty extroverted person. My husband is very introverted. So ministering is challenging for him. And it's really great to have his perspective and to see for some people it's very natural. And for others, it's like, this is really hard for me to reach Mm -hmm. out to someone that Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I think as we were talking earlier about our experiences in church being patient as we get to know people, I think ministering also requires a lot of patience, especially if we are approaching it from this very sincere, genuine, I wanted to get to know you. I want this to be something that's worthwhile for you Mm -hmm. and that I'm meeting your needs. So Maya, how can we be supportive ministers when we're meeting with people that that connection isn't happening very easily? Maybe it's someone that we don't relate to or really feel much of a connection with, or maybe we even feel like they don't want us there. (laughs) Maybe you know, at the outset, they're not really interested in being ministered to. How can we approach those assignments and experiences? I, I like the question because it's real. I mean, it, it happens. Real. Mm-hmm. And, and we sometimes don't get along very well with our companions, like at the mission, right? Sometimes yeah. you get like a companion with whom you're like, the world is a bliss. And sometimes you get another companion where you have to work things out a little better or more. I feel the principles are the same. Sometimes we minister to our companions more than the sisters that we're assigned to minister. And so sometimes they're more in need, and sometimes we are more in need as well. And so our companion is there to really strengthen us and to help us and to build us up. I feel that in such cases when there's a feeling of rejection, especially by the sisters who don't want to be ministered, this is a real challenge and a struggle, and one that I have experienced myself. I think the best thing that we can do is to really love them and to care for them. And also, for me, try to respect their agency as well. They're agents, and we cannot impose our will or ourselves on them. Mm -hmm. But we can still tend and care for them. 
So I think that there's need to be a balance. And again, what is the balance? I don't want to give you a checklist because it's not a checklist. Mm -hmm. It's different for every person. But at least that they know that we're there to serve and to help them. Well, and I think one of the key messages I'm hearing you sharing is that we don't make assumptions. As these ministering companions, we cannot be making assumptions about the people we minister to, and we can't judge them. Yeah, Like you said, there's so many unknowns, there's so many variables, and it's just our responsibility to say, we are here for you, and we'll listen if you want to talk, and mm-hmm. we love you, and call us if you need anything. You know, it's yes. just like, we are here. That is the message. We love you for you. Exactly. Yes. And the point is, I guess, for us to care and show care for others. And like you said, not make assumptions. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what's going on in their lives. We don't know. We don't know why they're making the decisions that they're making. So there's a lot of unknowns. And yeah, you stated very well. Just are not making assumptions mm-hmm. and not judging and just yeah. really trying to get to know them and send the message, I'm here to support in any way that I can. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take away the responsibility that we receive to care for others at all. Because it's not like, oh, well, I tried to contact them. It doesn't work. You know, that that's not it. That's not like, oh, I'm washing my hands. It's really about caring. I go back to that. Mm-hmm. I feel like some of the sisters feel sometimes that we need to have this huge amount of love to be able to serve. And I was talking to a good friend of mine, actually, and she said, well, I don't love people that much. And she's like, well, hold on there. And she said, you care for people. Caring is part of loving. And it's true. We love in different ways, too. We care about people in different ways. And so Again, it's just sending the message, we care for you, we are here for you if you need us. And whenever you are willing you know, to open up, you're there for them, but again, they have their own agency. And so, again, they're not a project, they're not a checklist, they're daughters of Heavenly Father. And we want to show love and care and concern for them and open the doors for them so that when they decide to come back or they need to open up, they need someone to talk to, that they know that there's someone. Maybe these sisters will never call me in their life, but at least I pray and I hope that they're able to sense that they belong and there was someone who was willing to reach out to them. And hopefully that will make it easier if they make the decision to come back or mm-hmm. when they make the decision to come back, that that will be something that they can remember, well, there were two sisters who actually care for me. Well, Maya, I'm so inspired by the way that you minister. I think you're very meaningful in your ministering, and that's really inspiring to me. And I just feel like sometimes my ministering can be very casual or non-existent. Like, I'm just surprised at myself and kind of disappointed that so much time can pass without me having connected with my sisters. And I'm just trying to find a balance of doing it and making it meaningful. But I just get caught up, I think, in just the busyness of everything else that I'm involved with. And I'm sure that I'm not alone in this. (laughs) I'm sure that there are other (laughs) listeners thinking, it does feel like just something else that I need to do in my busy life. So I'm just wondering how you prioritize that and what you would say to help women who might just feel too busy to be a meaningful minister. Yeah, life can be overwhelming, for sure. And there's a lot of things that go on to our daily lives whether it be little children, or it be a job, whatever it is. There's so uh, much. There's other so much sometimes, that we have. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, other callings, assignments. There's a lot going into our lives. It's related to this question. Pray. Praying, it makes miracles happen. And so sometimes there are sisters who 
we have a harder time connecting or feeling love for them. And sometimes it's us having just a, a really busy schedule or hard time to reach out. But again, when you ask yourself those questions, why am I here? What am I doing? You know, I think the small and simple things. Pray to receive opportunities to reach out to those sisters. I love Moroni chapter 7, verse 48. It says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all the energy of heart, that ye may be filled with this love, which he hath bestowed upon all who are the true followers of his Son, Jesus Christ, that ye may become the sons of God, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, that we may have this hope, that we may be purified even as he is pure. Amen. And so the counsel there is to pray. I can just take a, a moment to think and pray, how can I reach out? How can I receive this love for this sister, whether it be my companion or the, or the sisters that you have assigned? So I think just praying and taking a moment to think and receive the answer to that prayer. And as you pray, you will receive an answer to that prayer. And again, I think sometimes as members of a church or as sisters, we feel like we need to do this huge thing or have this huge overwhelming love for them. You know, I think it starts by small and simple things. Small and simple things open the doors for greater things. And I have seen that with ministering. So my answer would be take a moment, pray, and then take a moment to think and the revelation will come. It might not come right at that minute that you're thinking about it. It might come as you're washing dishes, as you're getting ready for work, as you're ready to leave home. It might come in a random time of the day, but it will come. And when it comes, the invitation is then to be brave and act upon it at that moment. Again, you know, it might not be a big deal. It might just be something like, okay, just take a minute and send a text to the sister. We don't know, again, what she's going through at that day. We don't know if she really needs it or if it's kind of like, oh, that's nice. We don't know. But those things will open the door, I think, for bigger things. And I love the reminder to keep it simple mm -hmm. because I hear so much women saying, I know how important ministering is and I just don't have enough time. It can be as simple as a thoughtful and sincere text. And I think knowing that that's enough for someone to feel like they are cared about. If that's mm -hmm. what we focus on, like, let's just help these people know that we care about them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't require grand gestures that will end up in a conference talk right. or, you know, <laughs> um, simple things go a really long way. Mm -hmm. They do. But again, they're simple but meaningful. Mm hmm. And sincere. And sincere, exactly. And I think when it is sincere, when it is authentic. Again, so it's it's mm -hmm. simple, yes, like waving, yes, that's that's nice. But I think there has to be something behind that as well. But there's other components. And I think to me, the key part is caring and reaching out. Definitely. And I think of women and men who struggle with ministering. And I think if we can go back to the why of ministering, I think about Jesus Christ's invitation to Peter to feed my sheep. That's like the core of our belief as Christians is that we personally develop a relationship with Jesus Christ and we spiritually and temporally help others and help them come closer to Christ. And 
there's so many resources too. This is what I've been thinking about. We'll definitely link in the show notes too. The church has a whole webpage about ministering with so many resources and talks and inspiration that can give us ideas and help us better understand its purpose. You know, we talk about ministering in the Savior's way. And I ask myself this question, am I really looking up at the Savior as my example in ministering? Am I really understanding? And to do that, you know, how did he minister? What did he do when he ministered? And I think when we ask those questions and turn ourselves to the Scripture, to the Savior, then we start to better understand ministering and how to go about it and the importance of preparing ourselves spiritually every day so that we can have the Holy Ghost with us and follow those promptings. I think, too, to recognize that there are blessings available. I mean, if we approach this in a really selfish way, there's yeah. there are blessings and there are friendships and relationships mm-hmm. that we can gain through ministering. It isn't just this sacrificial, painful thing that as we persist in doing this with patience and with care, that it will enrich our lives. And I've seen that. I totally, I love ministering. I have a testimony of ministering. Something I would say almost magical, but it's not really magical, happens. Ministering can be very inconvenient <laughs> at times. It, mm-hmm. And, uncomfort- and in so many ways, right? And, inconvenient yeah, because, yeah. you know, I'm shy and I don't necessarily want to interact with other people, you know, sometimes. Uh, or inconvenient in so many ways. Inconvenient in, as far as timing. We have other things or pressures in life. But something happens when you minister, a miracle happens. Because all of a sudden, some of your burdens are lifted. And you are able to at least for a moment, forget about your own worries. And then when you come back after ministering, your mindset is a little bit a little bit different and your perspective about your own challenges are different, at least for me. I was like, well, you know, this is not as bad as I thought of, or this is not such a big deal. You know, kind of drowning in a glass of water, you know, with this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that ministering, it really is the concept in Doctrine and Covenants that when the Spirit is there, we rejoice and are edified together. And really yes. the Lord help us when we are ministering to others. Thank you so much. I'm loving this conversation. I'm the Relief <laughs> Society oh. president in my ward and <laughs> I'm like, everybody <laughs> needs to listen to this. Well, and I'm glad that just in our natural conversation before, you just talked about ministering and I'm like, we've never done an, an episode on, yeah, on we've ministering. Talked about ministering. We've talked about ministering a lot, but not done. We've a, never done an episode and I think this is just going to be so helpful. Mm-hmm. It's so great. And you have... Yeah mentioned at the beginning you have these personal experiences but then you have the credentials too of like <laughs> I've been thinking about this actually it's kind of funny to me because I didn't get these ministering experiences a lot of them before it was kind of easier in a way because I connected to people a lot easier than I ministered to some of my friends were assigned to me as they're ministering you know to minister to them and so it was like oh this is really fun it's mm-hmm. been in the last couple of years that I've had these experiences that have been really good actually really faith building. And I think the Lord was trying to prepare me for this calling to understand better some of the principles, but also to be able to talk with authenticity. I remember Elder Maxwell, he said that when he got cancer, sometimes the Lord gives us challenges so that we can experience and teach with authenticity. So these ministering experiences that I've been having in the last two years, they've been challenging, but I'm so grateful for them, to be honest, and to be able to help and be an instrument in the Lord's hand to help someone to feel not lonely, to feel uplifted, and to feel like they have someone who can listen to them. And that, to me, is ministering. Again, caring Mm -hmm. for the other. 
Well, Maya, as we're wrapping up, is there anything else you would want to share with the listeners of this podcast or women in the church? I love the example of John 11, in which he ministered to Mary and Martha with Lazarus' death. And I have found some gems in this scripture. Um, Verse 4, he says that when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When I read these two verses, I get two principles here. First, Jesus Christ sought for the will of the Father, and he turned everything to God. And then number two, he loved the people that he ministered to. He says that he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And I think I relate back to what are the two greatest commandments? Loving God and loving neighbors as as ourselves. There's other principles in this story, but we know that Jesus waited because he understood the will of the Father. So he didn't go immediately to see Lazarus when he found out that he was sick, but he waited, you know, after three days had passed to go there. And I love the encounter. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, I just imagined her just running to meet him. And it's a beautiful interaction. She says to him, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. What a powerful testimony of Martha. And then Jesus said unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. What a powerful testimony of Martha. But what happened here was that Jesus saw God's will again. Then when Martha came unto him, she expressed her feelings. He allowed her to express fully her feelings and her thoughts and her process at that time and not reproaching her, not reprimanding for her, not believing or whatever. He just listened to her. And then he built it up, Martha. He built her faith up. He testified of himself as the Savior. And then he allowed her to express her faith as him, as the Savior of the world. And when she did this, Christ taught her, and then he asked for Mary. So Martha went out to seek for Mary, and Mary comes running to the Savior again. And the scriptures don't tell us a lot about that account as much as Martha's account. But to me, the interesting part is verse 32, it says, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou had been there, my brother had not died. And she wept. And Jesus ministered to Mary differently than to Martha. And it's interesting to me because the circumstances were the same. Their brother had died, and yet they were processing it differently because they were different people. And so the ministering was different because they had different processes, different feelings, and different needs at the time. And so just to illustrate the point, sometimes we may see people in similar circumstances, but what worked really well for one person in facing those challenges or circumstances might not work exactly the same for another person. 
because we're different. We have different backgrounds, different ways of thinking, processing, and approaching things. And so that's why we need so much the Holy Ghost with us to help us really see the needs and try to meet the needs. That's what I will share about ministering. That's really helpful advice as we consider ministering. This whole episode has been so wonderful, such a great resource on ministering. Maivel, thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing your experiences. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. We have new episodes released every week, and we hope you'll continue to tune in and share the episodes with your friends and family members. We've been so grateful to hear from so many listeners via email and on Apple podcast reviews, and we hope you'll continue to share your thoughts and feedback with us. You can email us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org with any suggestions for topics or guests. As always, we also want to make our listeners aware that the podcast is available just about anywhere you listen to podcasts. So on the church's website, on the Gospel Library app, Saints Channel mobile app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. So please continue to share these voices and stories of women of faith with your friends and family wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, we'd like to thank our wonderful editor, Kurt Dahl, and our producer, Matthew Mangum, and the many others who support this podcast. Until next week, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Thanks again for listening. Mm